John uh, chapter 17, verses 2 through 3. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. At this time, Dean will bring us this morning's message. You can trust Jesus' words, the I wills of Jesus. You can trust Jesus' words, the I wills of Jesus. When Jesus was on earth, he was traveling among the villages of old Galilee. He encountered a man who was covered with leprosy. The Bible, Luke 5, says he was covered, covered with leprosy. In those days, it was never a minor disease. It was a death warrant. Anyone that had this disease was cast out of society. That person could not go into any city. That person could not associate with anybody. There was no cure. There was horrible disfigurement and grotesque appearance. I came face to face with this in Southeast Asia when I was in Thailand. I had a patient with leprosy. This morning we're going to focus in on the words of Jesus, I will, the great I wills of Jesus. Dr. Luke in Luke 5 continues this story. When this man saw Jesus walking by, he fell on his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. In the words of scripture, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Pride all gone, his face in the dirt, he knew how to beg. For his life depended now on begging. He had to stay alive. Picture it now, if you will. Jesus stopping when he heard that cry. He didn't have to stop. This man on the ground in front of him with his face in the dirt. Lord, if you're willing, oh please make me clean. He was used to people walking by on the other side of the road because they were afraid to come near him. If they were kind enough, they would throw him some food. That was all the contact with the society that he had. Equally horrible, though, in those days, what was taught by the rabbis, the Christian establishment of the day, they taught the people that if you had developed leprosy, it was because you had some horrible sin or that hidden sin was in you. And that's why you got the leprosy. God was condemning you. Can you imagine such a situation? You were thrown out of society, and it did not matter who you were. A housewife, a child, a rabbi, a teacher, a carpenter, or a king. It did not matter. You were suddenly out of your family beside the road and you were begging. No one would touch you. No one wanted to be near you. Luke continues, and he saw Jesus. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. There had to be a gasp among the onlookers. Did you see that, they said? He touched him. He touched that leper. The onlookers had a further problem, however, for they had brought their own sick loved ones to Jesus to be healed. What were they going to do now? Because they had seen Jesus touch a leper. That meant Jesus was unclean. Jesus simply said, I will be thou clean. It was so wonderful. It was too good to be true. You can see him now leaping and dancing. For the Bible says he was immediately cured. He was shouting, I'm clean, I'm clean. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
The Gospel of Mark adds another dimension to our story. It tells us in Mark 1 that Jesus could no longer enter into the towns and villages, but he had to stay outside in the desert areas because of this miracle. I pondered that for a long time. Then the answer came. Jesus' mission wasn't finished on this earth, and he had to avoid people trying to make him king. Did you realize that? Jesus could no more openly go into the towns and villages. And here's the quote from Mark 145. Quote, Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. Now the paradox. This represents the gospel in its greatest manifestation. Jesus traded places with that leper. The former leper could now enter any town he wished to enter. But Jesus could not. He had to stay outside and live in the desert areas because of this happening. They had reversed positions, the gospel, in its most beautiful dimension. Isaiah had said it centuries before, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace is upon him. And because his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah 53.5 Jesus takes what we deserve so that we have what he deserves. Jesus willed the man to be clean and he was clean. What is this I will of Jesus? There are many places in the New Testament where it talks about Jesus saying I will. Let's focus in on that this morning. I will give you the keys to the kingdom is our second I will. The second is from Matthew 16, 19, where it says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. He was speaking to Peter, of course, but he also speaks to us with that phrase. What did it mean in its full fulfillment? When we take the name Christian, we have a responsibility. A mantle is on us to represent Jesus and his cause of salvation to the entire world and everyone that we meet. Our influence is a key that gives, Jesus gives us influence for good. Many are the stories of what seemingly is a chance encounter, but in reality, Jesus meeting people in the New Testament was never a chance encounter. It was a God thing. Let's look at one more of these so-called chance encounters from our modern world. The day started like any other day, except that it was winter and it happened to be the day of the great storm in England. A young boy had been wrestling in his mind about his sins. For some reason, this young boy, early teenage period, was worried about his sin. Perhaps you think that's unusual, but that is the truth for this boy. Something unusual was happening. He felt guilty and he asked God to forgive his sin, but he felt that it just was not happening. He felt that he was lost. He had heard about a famous preacher that was coming to town that day, that weekend, and he was going to speak in a big church across town. So he decided, maybe he has an answer for me. So he started out in this storm. Maybe he could help him with his problem of his guilt. The farther he went, he realized that he was in trouble because he was cold and wet as he walked across the city in this snowstorm. And he realized about halfway over there that he just was not going to make it. So he came across a small church where the light was on. 
He went inside there and was cold and wet. He went up to the balcony and sat down. He was wondering, well, what is this preacher going to talk about here in this church that could help me? Then his hopes were dashed because the announcement in the front was that the speaker could not get in the church that day because of the storm. So an old deacon stood up to speak. And his heart sank further because he thought to himself, what in the world could an old deacon teach me about my problem of guilt and sin? Well, this deacon started to speak, and after about 10 minutes, he came to the text in Isaiah, Isaiah 45, 22, which said, Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. Isaiah 45, 22. He spoke for another 10 minutes, and then he repeated the text again. Then he spoke another couple of minutes, and then he ran out of things to say. So he said the text again. And then, all of a sudden, he pointed his finger right up in the balcony where the young boy was sitting. And he said, this young boy, young man, you're in trouble, aren't you? Now, mind you, this is a real story, and it really happened. He pointed his finger at this little boy, and he said, you're in trouble, aren't you? Look, look to Jesus. Look, look, and look again. The deacon seemed to look right through this young boy. He seemed so sincere. Something happened deep within him. The boy heard this text, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. The text was ringing in his mind. Something happened. He caught a new vision of Jesus, and he suddenly knew that Jesus knew him and had forgiven him. And he was calling him to do a great work. From that moment onward, he never took his eyes off of Jesus. The young boy never forgot that text from Isaiah 45, 22. The young boy would grow up to become one of the greatest evangelists the world has ever known, Charles Spurgeon. Charles preached in London, England for 40 years in the same place, the famous tabernacle. It held 3,000 people. And history tells us that people lined up for a half a mile outside that church to get in to hear him speak. People loved to be around him because it was obvious that he had been with Jesus. A chance storm? A chance encounter with an old deacon? I don't think so. Thousands of people will be in the kingdom because of the work of Charles Spurgeon. Jesus said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. That day the deacon used one of those keys. Our next one, I will give you rest. From Matthew eleven twenty-eight. The next one is, I will give you rest. The words of Jesus, we need rest. We seek rest our entire lives. Rest for our soul. We need this rest, not just once a week coming to church. We need it every day. Just as happened to Charles Spurgeon on that day, we need it all day long. We need it all month long. We need it all our lifetime. We need rest. We need to know that Jesus loves us and forgives us. We need to have the belief and knowledge that Jesus has forgiven us and cleansed us from all our sin and unrighteousness and has taken our place, taken our place, so that we can stand before the Father, perfectly clothed in Jesus' robe of righteousness. Can you hear Jesus calling us today? Come unto me and I will give you rest.
The next one, I will come again. I will come again. Our next text is John 14:3. Let not your heart be troubled. You know the words well. You believe in God, believe also in me. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. He is saying, I will come again. One of the great I wills of Jesus. When the most powerful force in the universe is coming, determined to come to this planet again, it will happen. Nothing will prevent it. One day the trumpet will sound. And you know it is interesting. You and I will hear that trumpet, whether we are standing on the earth to welcome our Lord or whether we have gone to sleep in Jesus. The trumpet, if we've gone to sleep in Jesus, will awaken us. So we will hear that trumpet the same as those who are alive. So no matter where you are on that day, you will hear that trumpet. You will also see the lightning because you will be raised to see the lightning and to witness it. You will also feel the earthquake but you won't be afraid because Jesus is coming. What we are to do while we await his return, Paul gives us some things to think about in Galatians. He says we will have love, we will have joy, we will have peace, we will have gentleness, we will be long-suffering with our fellow Christians and our fellow people that we meet. We will be non-judgmental with each other. That is what Paul says we will be doing before Jesus returns. The next I will will be, I will draw all men unto me. I'm the only one that's missing these beautiful pictures up here. So, Thank you again, Brenda, for what you've done there. Our next I will is John 12, 32. And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. Here's the promise of salvation. His death on the cross allowed the invitation to go forth unto all men and women ever born in this world. Prophets through the ages of times prophesied that Jesus would come and be lifted up on a horrible cross. And here Jesus himself predicts that it will happen to him in a few days. He said this a few days before he went to the cross. And it came to pass, so look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth, prophesied Isaiah. Isaiah have said this millenniums before. Every man and woman has an invitation to be drawn to the source of all life and to be saved. The next I will is, I will pray the Father for you. I will pray the Father for you. John 16, 26. Jesus tells his disciples, I will pray the Father for you. Imagine Jesus praying for his disciples. Imagine Jesus praying for you. That also would mean that he is praying for you and us right now. Imagine that scene. Jesus acknowledging your name and my name before his Father. Picture that scene, if you will. If he prayed for the disciples of his day, certainly he would do the same for the disciples of our day. Our next I will is, I will in no wise cast out. John six thirty-seven. I will in no wise cast out. It means exactly what it says. No one should be afraid. No one should fear. No one should be lonely. A friend who will never leave or forsake us. No other human between Jesus and me. Like the great hymn says, nothing between my soul and the Savior. He or she who comes to Jesus, 
He will in no wise cast out. We can trust that. Go to that scene of the thief on the cross. He had lived a life dishonoring himself, his family, his community, and his God. He was caught and he is now sentenced to die on a cross. But he realized that he was hanging beside someone who had living water. The life giver, a king who had a kingdom. In his last moment he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus did better than that. He said, I assure you, I assure you this day that you will be with me in my kingdom. You have eternal life, thief, right now. You have it right now. What a savior. His desire is that we all should come to repentance. The invitation is open to each one of us. Just reach out and take it. Our next I will is, I will give my flesh for the life of this world. I will give my flesh for the light of this world. We have John 10:29, who tells us that no one can pluck the redeemed out of the Father's hand. Another version says no one can pluck them, no one can take them. No one can take them out. John 6, 5, I will give my flesh for the life of this world. Jesus came to this planet to die for Adam and Eve and all their descendants. He came and died on that cross. You and I were on his mind when he was on the cross. As the song says, his thoughts of that last hour were not of his own suffering. Isn't this amazing? His thoughts were for his mother. And he told John to care for her. That John was now his, her son. His thoughts were about a miserable dying thief beside him. And trying to save him. Which Jesus did. He was busy forgiving those who were mocking and torturing him. By saying, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. And then he, in the end he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. I've saved the best for the last. I will confess you before my Father. The next I will from Matthew 10.32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him also will I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. An amazing text. An amazing text to hang on to. Right now, Jesus is confessing your name and my name before his Father in heaven, in the sanctuary, in the very temple up above. Because we have allowed Jesus to forgive our sins, we can believe that we are forgiven. Jesus will confess our name before the throne of the universe. Jesus and his Father right now are saying, He and she are mine. They are mine. No one can snatch them out of our hands. No one can pluck them out of our hands if they choose not to be. So Jesus and his I wills, do they comfort you? Do they give you courage? I will be thou clean from Matthew 8.3. I will give you the keys to my kingdom, Matthew 16.19. I will give you rest, Matthew 11.28. I will draw all men unto me, John 12, 32. I will never 
never cast you away. John 6.37 I will that you are with me. John 17.24 I will pray to my Father for you. John 16.26 I will confess your name before my Father. But remember, Jesus told us when he was here that his Father is our Father. Isn't that beautiful? His Father is our Father. We're brothers and sisters of Jesus. Jesus will retain throughout eternity the prince in his hands and his feet and his forehead. And we know from Revelation that he will wear a white robe stained in blood. I will come again to this planet, John 14, 3. And Jesus also has, says, I will raise him up at the last day. Just as he raised Lazarus from death, he will raise those who have gone to sleep in Jesus. John 6, 44. I will give my flesh for the life of this world. John 6, 5. When he died, Satan and evil were finished. It was all over for them. It will be consummated when we go through the gates of the holy city in the new Jerusalem. Just as Jesus traded places with that leper of so long ago, so he trades places with us. He takes the cross so that we will not have to. He takes the sins of the world so that we will have no sin. He will forever be human and God for us so that we can be called the children of God and his brothers and sisters. We would, I think, do well to memorize the I wills of Jesus, remember them often, go over them, over them and over them again. There's only one thing sure on this earth, and that is the words of Jesus himself. Remember, Jesus said, my words will never pass away. When the final words have been said and the last goodbye has been spoken, the last child has been born on this earth, the last soul has been laid to rest, the last tear has been shed. What has been done is done and what has been said is said. It's all over. Then the music fades from our songs. Bright lights and angel wings will with the trumpet blast proclaim that King Jesus is riding down through the skies. We will know that evil and death have lost. Eternal life with Jesus has begun. We will then know the fulfillment of the words in Jesus that his words are true. They are real. We can count on them. Yes, eternal morning has come. We can know that the leper of so long ago, we will enter with the gates, through the gates into that city, and will be with Jesus forevermore. We will then know for certain the words of Isaiah, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. Isaiah 45, 22. Amen. Our closing song is 511. Thank you. 511, closing song. I know whom I have believed.
so thankful to have words from you, our Savior, that transform us, that give us a vision of the future and courage if we are assailed. They give us courage if we're hurting. They give us courage if we're discouraged. May we take these words with us this week and for a lifetime to have confidence in you and confidence in your salvation for us personally. May we have gladness and joy as we go forth. And that last When you do come and the trumpet sounds, the lightning flashes. We can say, lo, this is my God. I have waited for him and he will save me. In Jesus' name, amen.